Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to podcast number 314 of Guys Guys Radio. This is the place where when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. Our special guest this evening, we're going to bring her on in a little bit, is Lynn Robinson, Lynn B. Robinson, PhD. She's written written a book called Loving to the End and On, A Guide to the Impossibly Possible. And really what it's about is it's about dying. It's about death. It's about caring for people who are going to pass. It's about intuition and near-death experiences and all things kind of related to how uh, our society and culture can manage that time that we all are going to experience and have experienced through the passing of others uh, in the best way possible. And I, I think you'd probably all agree with me that uh, a lot of times it's a very very awkward when people die who are close to us, family members, whatever. And there's a lot of people who they're like emotionally constipated. They don't know how to react to death or how to process it. And they just shut down and you never know how they feel. And it's really not a good thing to bottle everything up inside because eventually uh, all that stuff you hold back and hold in gets stored somewhere in your body. A lot of times in organs and other places, a trauma from it. And uh, it's just not a good thing. So here we are. I'm broadcasting live from Harlem, New York City. And uh, again, it's podcast number 314. And the Guys Guys Radio is all about, um, well, really what I'm doing is I'm putting out kind of a buffet, a smorgasbord of different, uh, different offerings of learnings, teachings, things that um, to make our lives better, that uh, I draw on guests from all different areas and they bring on their books and their teachings and their channelings or whatever. And it's all about uh, offering our listeners the opportunity to learn more about things that are, I'm not going to say they're out of the mainstream, but things that maybe um, are a little bit uh, past the, the day-to-day stuff that we do, where we're all focused on jobs and money and getting from here to there and paying our taxes and our health care costs and all of that stuff. And that's sure, absolutely important. But a lot of people are seeking nowadays, seeking more, seeking better lives and seeking how to get the most out of this life. And I've been going through that journey uh, on my own. I'm a regular guy on spiritual quest, leaving, le- leading a regular life, basically. And what I want to do is bring bring what, what I'm picking up and I'm getting a free education as I do the show, bringing guests on who can possibly help all of us. So with that in mind, that's why we have our special guest is going to be Lynn B. Robinson, Ph.D., and she's going to talk about, you know, death isn't a happy subject or anything. But I I try to cover the waterfront, whether it be relationships or fantasy sports or love or dating or comedy or novels or uh, metaphysical teachings, et cetera, diet, wellness all things that can help guys live the best life possible. And also, also women too. It's not exclusive to, uh, to men. 
Uh, but there's so many guys out there who are who are looking for more, particularly from the boomer generation where things are winding down career-wise for a lot of them. And they're like, they're wondering, okay, I busted just like Brett Kavanaugh said, I busted my butt to get where I am. And uh, so a lot of guys are saying like, is that, that's all there is. I put in all this time and then uh, I get laid off when I'm 64 or something. And that's the end of it. Well, it doesn't have to be, it could be a beginning of a lot of different things. And it could be a time for self-realization and realizing that you're more than your job title or your bank account or your job, which is true. Uh, So that's what we're, that's why we're here. I wrote a novel called the guy's guy's guide to love and published it uh, through Live Oak Publishing and uh, Greenleaf Book Group. So I did get a book deal, and um, we published it a few years ago, and it's been out, and it's, it's a story of two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. And really my motivation, my inspiration was the, for the book was I sensed that there was a widening chasm of communication between men and women. And people have sparked to the book. Everybody who reads it really likes it. I've gotten great reviews. You can check it out and pick it up on Amazon. And from from there, we started my blog on life, love, and the pursuit of happiness at Robert Manny, M-A-N-N-I.com. And I write about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness in a way where life imitates art because the main character in my book writes a column called for a woman's magazine about men. And the column's called The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. And from there, we started Guys Guys Radio. So we keep expanding the platform, expanding our audience, expanding the message, and people uh, are coming along with us for the ride. So I keep doing it, and I'm bootstrapping it for right now, but things are, things are happening, and uh, I'm really glad that you've been with me on this, and I thank you. And it's all about living our best life, and I'm having, having a lot of fun with it, and I'm learning a lot along the way. So let's talk a little bit just about what's going on out there in our world this week, and then we will bring out our guest. So, okay, in the guy's guy's world, if you will. Now, guy's guy's really updated version of a man's man, but in the best sense possible, not macho, more about casual confidence, uh, strength, but an unassuming strength, um, a, an integrity that's a seductive type of integrity. I don't mean sexually, but just a seductive type of integrity because integrity is in such short supply these days. Uh, emotional tel- intelligence, timeless style, and also a lot of fun. You got to have fun too. So that's what a guy's guy is all about. So, and there's a lot of guys guys out there, and a lot of them don't get a lot of credit. So we want to also uh, identify who these great guys are and make sure that uh, everybody becomes aware of. You know, you can be a good guy and, and and get ahead. It's interesting when I wrote the screenplay for based on my book, I twisted the twisted the message a little bit the theme and it's about uh getting ahead and uh, why all like the you have to be a real uh schemer to get ahead and again i was a couple of years ahead of my time with that too because you look what's happening now and it seems like the only thing that matters is winning i'm so sad about this whole supreme court thing because you know this guy brett kavanaugh he has a distinguished uh experience for sure and the, let's just put politics aside. Uh, he, is a, he's, he has been chosen for his political views, basically. So we know what that is. And he's being, they're trying to ram him through. And if he doesn't get in, it's not a big deal if you're a Republican because they've got three or four or five or six other people they can just trot right out. But I really have a problem with the, trying to jam him through 
um, because if this is a job interview for a lifelong position. And if there's all these question marks, even if it's he said, she said, there seems to be a lot of smoke. And his comportment during these uh, uh, hearings was, I was like, I watched it by myself and for a couple of hours. And I was like, my God, I wonder if anybody else realizes how embarrassing this guy is. I mean, he's not just applying for a government job. This is a Supreme Court. And he's not giving straight answers. And uh, I found it very troubling. And the the fact that uh, nobody wanted an FBI investigation that lets them dig into this a little bit was also disturbing to me. And now they're going to do it. And who knows how deep they're going to go and if it's just a, there's a time limit on everything. Like, let's just I, I, you know, I don't agree with Trump on a lot of things, but he said, look, let him let him have at it. Uh, he's very confident that things will work out fine. And OK, well, let's see, because because I, I think Trump knows that. If he has to punt on Brett Kavanaugh, he's going to uh, have other guys who do, do what he wants. And the biggest law he's trying to get through, just so we all are clear about this, president wants somebody to come in and not allow the double to pull back on the double jeopardy. Where if you're, uh, I believe the way it works is that if you are uh, accused of a federal crime and you can't be prosecuted, then you can't get prosecuted on a state level. And that's going to have huge implications for him when this Mueller report comes out. So I hope people are aware of this, that this whole thing, the whole reason for Brett Kavanaugh is to cover, to protect our president, to protect Trump. I mean, that's the simple truth. I'm sorry, folks. You can you can like it or not like it. Maybe you like it. I mean, that's okay. But that's why he this guy's been picked. It's not because of his distinguished records, although you have to have that. It's because of his position on some issues, um, and that's the biggest one. So we'll see what happens there. Um, uh, I don't know if you guys saw Saturday Night Live last night where Matt Damon played Brett Kavanaugh, and it was hilarious if you're a Democrat and probably not so hilarious if you're a Republican. Now, on the other hand, we have this – woman, Miss, Ms. Ford, and uh, nobody had an issue with her, uh, her testimony. She came across as credible. This prosecutor that the Republicans brought in to hide behind, they, they didn't have any issues with, uh, with what she said. And even Brett Kavanaugh said, I'm sure what she's saying happened to her. It just wasn't me. And it may not have been. Um, but he, when he was being questioned, his behavior was not what I would call the type of behavior. Can you imagine if you were behaved like that and you were on a job interview? You would not get the job, period. So that's my only point. Forget the politics. It's just let's, let's look at things objectively now and then and say, hey, you, know, you can't behave like this if you want to get a job, particularly if it's probably the longest lasting, most important job you'll ever go for and one of the most important jobs in the entire country. Supreme Court justice, which I think they should relook. Lifetime appointments, now that it's been politicized, and it'll be politicized by Democrats and Republicans. Lifetime? Come on. How about 10 years? That seems about fair because, let's face it, these judges, they're either they're on one side or the other on most of the issues. Not all, but most of the issues. And uh, I think we have to be really careful about that because it is our justice system. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox about that. You can tell me that you disagree, and that's fine. Uh, but that's, that's how I feel. And so I've got the microphone here, so I'm going to share it. 
what else is happening here in New York City? We just kind of entered, you know, it's we had the worst September until about two days ago in terms of weather. It's usually the best month of the year, but it was so gloomy and rainy and humid, just horrible. And I was like, wow, and September is just about gone. And then yesterday, boom, the weather changed. And today was beautiful. It's supposed to be pretty nice all week. So you, you never know. And so October, now we're getting into October. Hopefully October will make up for September because I always find that it seems like the weather in the Northeast, everything's been kind of pushed back a month where things used to get real cool around October and then November. And uh, then you'd have January, February, March, and then things would get warm. And now it seems like it stays warm right through sometimes not every day, but almost through November. And then, then, and December's haven't been that bad. And then things get bad and it stays cool and cold until like through May now. So it's weird what's happened with the weather. I'm not saying that's a function of uh, climate change per se, but it seems like the weather pattern in terms of which months things happen has changed a bit in the Northeast, at least in my lifetime of living here. Uh, so what else is happening? Oh, speaking of Saturday Night Live, did anybody see Kanye West last night? I mean, everybody I know, the millennials I know, they think he's a genius and they love him. But I watched, you know, I think of bands, like bands that play, like people still play money to go see the Rolling Stones. And I went to see them in 2015 and they were, wow, they were vital as they were when I saw them in the 80s. And they play instruments and they rock out and it's a really good tight show. And I saw Kanye West last night and he was dressed in a, uh, like a Perrier bottle around him. And then he had another guy who was in a Fiji water bottle and they were doing this very tepid rap song and they thought they were really cool. And I was like, is this a goof or something? Is this just saying like, I don't respect the audience. I'll do whatever I want. And then people are still going to call me a genius or whatever. I don't know. His second song was more traditional hip hop. And he had this, uh, uh, Tayana woman with him and she was lip singing. You could tell from the very first lyric, she's stunning. And what a incredible body on this woman. Incredible. And, uh, just, she's just striking. And she and him, they did this song and it was, pretty much run it, you know, just grind it out type of hip hop song. It was nothing special. And I'm thinking like, what, am I missing something here? Maybe I am. I got to go and get online and go through. I've heard a lot of Kanye stuff. I know he's got, he's definitely got talent, but sex, I don't know. I was expecting, I was expecting more. I don't know about you guys, but that's me again. I'm probably pissed off half of my audience tonight. I heard he went on a Trump rant pro-Trump rant after the sh- at the end of the show when the credits were kind of rolling, but he's an interesting character for sure. Um, New York City in the fall is the most beautiful time of year. That's one of the reasons I was talking about the weather. I was out today and yesterday. So gorgeous. I was in Manhattan both days. I had to do some things that we didn't have to, wanted to. We did some things with my family. We went out. Today we went to a little Middle Eastern restaurant in the West Village called Mustache. Fantastic. Very fresh hummus, tabbouleh, uh, tahini, I think, tabbouleh, tabbouleh, I think it's called, yeah, and uh, they have a pizza and uh, moussaka, just fantastic food, and uh, it's down in the West Village, 
And as I was coming back, I had to cut through uh, the Union Square area. I had to go up to Home Depot to drop something off. Then I had to go up to 34th Street and drop something off, return stuff, and and then take the train home up to uh, Uptown. And uh, I couldn't believe how many how crowded it was, the streets. More crowded than I've ever experienced down around Union Square at any time of the year. And, um, and then taking uh, the subway is just a nightmare. The, today, we were on the train, and we pulled in on the A train, 42nd Street. I got it at, uh, Fort, uh, let's see, 34th, went up to 42nd. I was going to change to a C train, so I get on the A train, and they change everything around on the weekends. A D train pulls up on the local track. So I get off the A. I t- say to the conductor, are you going to go local? He goes, I don't know. They haven't told me. I say, you're going to go up 8th Avenue. I don't know. So his train is sitting there, and I go back to my train. I ask the conductor, are you going to go local, express, whatever? And he says, I don't know. We can't go anywhere. And then instead of making an announcement that the train is delayed, he actually gets out of his cab area, his room, whatever, and walks down the walks down the aisle and starts talking, telling everybody that he hasn't gotten the okay, that we can keep going and blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, once he passes you and he's halfway down the car with all the noise and everything, you can't hear what he's saying. It's like, why, why not get on the loudspeaker and tell everybody? But this is how, and he didn't know what was going on. The other conductor didn't know what was going on. Ultimately, the, I just stayed on the A train and went express to 125th Street. Then I had to walk. 10 blocks south to get home because you can't get a downtown train uh, local on weekends. It's just a nightmare. The MTA, New York City subway system, I've been here a long time in New York. It is a nightmare. It's not getting better. It's embarrassing for a world-class city. It's like it makes you not want to go out because you have to figure out how you have to book extra time to get home because it's such a nightmare because they shut down all these lines and reroute them. So anyhow, New York City MTA, anti-guys guy of the week. That's all I have to say about that. So it is 818. I'm going to bring out my guest in a moment. Thank you for hanging in there with me. And as always, we say. You're listening to the Guys Guy Radio. Oh, yeah, we're back. Okay, Lynn B. Robinson, she's a Ph.D. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Professor Emerita of Marketing and a former business consultant, author, speaker, hospice and community service organizations volunteer, and facilitator for the local affiliate group of IANDS. And she's got a book, new book out called Loving to the End and On, A Guide to the Impossibly Possible. And it's really about a lot of different vignettes and things about kind of managing something nobody likes to talk about. Maybe I think Lynn does though, but, uh, about death and how we can best handle it. So it's not the most pleasant subject, but I want to offer insights to lots of different areas that we're all going to run into. It's a reality. So I invited Lynn to the show and I welcome her right now. Good evening, Dr. Robinson. How are you? Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. I'm fine. Please say Lynn. Okay, Lynn. Thank you. Um, so the book, um, what was your inspiration for writing this? Life itself, all the things that had happened to me, and I have to back up just a minute. Will you allow me to do that and just say you brought back so many memories of 
a young woman right out of undergraduate school playing lady executive in the big city of New York and being a clown in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Wow. And, and having some young boy on the side as we were stalled because there was a balloon problem or whatever, and I was behind a, a float that had a band, and they were playing a Charleston song, and I started, I mean, you know, like from the 20s, and I started doing the Charleston in the street. And as a woman, there was a certain part of my anatomy that was moving, obviously. And this young boy on the side of the street said, Mommy, Mommy, and pointed to me and said, That's not a clown, that's a lady. (laughs) Awesome. That's New York for you. Now, nobody holds back here. They tell you how how you feel. And that morning, he learned that a clown can be, I guess, of either sex. I don't know. Maybe he just harbored... His insecurities for life, I don't know, but it's a fun memory. So, okay, the book. Um, yep. There are so many things that um, have happened in my own life. I'm a highly intuitive person. I found out early in my life that I received messages from people who were no longer in their physical bodies. And so many, many things have happened in relation to that. Um, the IANDS that you mentioned is the uh, acronym for International Association of Near-Death Studies. I'm not a near-deather. I am an after-death after, um, communicator. But because of being that, I have empathy for people who have had near-death experiences. And um, I, I taught a not-for-credit course at, the lo- at a local university that talked about all of these sorts of things and the the, the people who showed up were more than double those who had registered, and they wanted to register then. Long and the short of that was I decided they needed a place to be able to meet without, without having to fight university traffic and pay a fee for a course and became the local affiliate uh, group facilitator for International Association of United Studies. We meet at a local library. People can come and tell their stories. And a lot of people come who, uh, and and for those who may not know what a near-death experience is, it is when uh, someone loses all signs of life documented by all the apparatus at hospitals or whatever, and then for some unknown reason, life comes back and they're... You know, they're breathing again, the heart starts working again, the other organs start working again, and and uh, they come back with interesting stories. So well, I started that affiliate group. And okay. then a, a, a dean of nursing asked me if I would teach a, a course online about near-death studies. I won't go into all of that. Anybody who wants to read the whole thing, it's in the introduction of the book. But uh, I ended up not being able to teach the course because the vice president said, hey, I can't let you do that. She might talk about talking to dead people. So <laughs> when she called to tell me that, I said, don't worry about it. I'd turn it into a book. And the book took on a life of its own to become more about um, all the good things that can happen at the end of life, even through the gore and the fear and the scariness, that that offers you the last tender, loving moments of physical interacting with physical. Mm-hmm. So uh, I want to make our discussion kind of utilitarian for our listeners because I think uh, it's, an, it's a subject matter that people don't talk about enough. They don't like to talk about it. They get uncomfortable. 
nobody in our culture likes to talk about death type things, but it's coming for everybody at a certain point and also for people around us. So when you, when you, uh, your near death experiences the, that have been related to you, if you could kind of bring them all together, what would be like three or four things that are seem to be, if you could say, this is what kind of near death experiences are usually like. Well, they are not the same, but, it, 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 well, okay, I'll try to find some core stuff. I'm not One talking is, about the specifics, but I'm talking about, um, you know, because everybody has their own experience, but there must be some similarities where, uh, you, you know, people come out, they, 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 they're out of their body, somebody talks to them or whatever, and they, they're told to go back. There seems to be a lot of, from what I've read and from guests I've had, uh, seems to be a lot of commonalities about um, the big picture it, itself, not, you know, how you kind of get there, whether it's through a tunnel or this or that, you know, the specifics are different, but it seems like there's some uh, overarching things that happen that are pretty consistent. So what, what have you heard? The overarching things that are consistent are that they are aware that they are a consciousness that is separate from the physical body. They, okay. Many of them are aware of things that they can witness around their physical They can actually look down and see their physical body. They are aware frequently that they are led or taken somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, they may yeah, have an encounter. I mean. mm-hmm. They may mm-hmm. have an encounter with um, a being of some kind that they, some, some people call it a being of light. Some people call it a spiritual. Some people specifically see relatives or loved ones and then for some reason they either are told that they need to go back or they're given some idea of something that they may need to do and in order to do that they'll have to return to their body or in some instances they don't have those messages they just feel a whoosh and they're back in their physical bodies Um, and they do not all remember the entire event some of them are able and this is sort of fun for the physicians who don't want to believe any of this uh well not uh, some of them do want to believe it i'm not saying all physicians fail to believe it but when they can come back and they are first out of their body before they've whooshed on somewhere else and they can tell their physicians what instruments they were using what music may have been playing or not playing in the field, what kinds of conversations went on, who may have come into the room, who wasn't there before, et cetera. And they can, they can do all those sorts of things. They, in some instances, they've even said, you know, somebody better look on top of the cabinet in such and such a corner because there's some stuff up there that really needs to be cleaned off. Mm-hmm. And, they'll, you know, somebody will stick up a ladder and go up, and there's, stuff that needs to be cleaned off. One instance that I have read, this is not something that was told to me, uh, someone who had a near-death experience in their hospital room left their body and was traveling around the hospital and saw a shoe on top of an awning on the opposite side of the hospital from where his room was. And when he returned from, uh, back into his body after flatlining, um, he, he told them that. And they said, ah, it couldn't happen. But one of the nurses was curious and actually went different floor, different side of the hospital, and there was indeed a shoe on top of an awning. Nobody knew it got there. Wow. But, you know, so how could that guy know that? Who knows? So why, why do you think, Lynn, that um, physicians, they don't want to hear this stuff? Where I think it would be helpful. I don't see why it doesn't really, to me, it doesn't discredit 
traditional, you know, Western medicine or anything. It's just, why not learn? Why not be open-minded and hear what people have experienced? How could, how could that hurt the process? Well, I can't speak for all physicians. And a cousin of mine who's uh, in his 80s um, just sent me an article that he wrote 40 years ago about some of this, and he definitely accepts it. And he even spoke of two of his own patients. He's a cardiologist um, who's had these experiences. So I don't want to put all physicians in that basket of not believing. Um, I I would say that physicians fall in the same basket as a lot of other people. They um, their own the t- things that they have learned in their own families and perhaps in their religious groupings, uh, in some of their science classes. I have told them this is something you shouldn't believe, and they have not have been unwilling to examine it closely. Okay, the, the book. Uh, having gone through it and um, and reading through all your notes and everything, I guess my question for the for the, our listeners would be, what, in your own words, because there's a lot there that I've read. What is what is the main takeaway that you want readers to get out of this book? The main takeaway that I want for readers, especially now in these times of turmoils, is to focus on love. That, yes, there's a lot of gore at the end of life. Yes, um, there's a lot of heartbreak because the physical misses the physical. I mean, there's just no way to get around that. When you lose the physical aspect of someone, you, that, that hurts. But the love never goes away, whether you hold it in your memory, whether you hold it in your heart, or whether you open the opportunity that you can still communicate with your loved one who is no longer in a physical body. It just doesn't go away. So instead of of focusing on the gore and the fear, remember to let the love seep in. You know, hold hands with the person you love, snuggle up next to them, um, do the best you can. It's hard sometimes because of the horror of some of the the physical things that do happen. But you let love be the guide. Let love be the mm-hmm. overarching activity. And I would agree with you completely. I lost my uh, dad in uh, February, yet mm-hmm. I had the uh, gift of being able to have great closure with him, spend time with him at the end. Tell him how much I uh, was appreciative of everything he taught me and that I loved him. and He's a great dad and all of that. And I'm really on the same wavelength. And I feel since he's passed, uh, you know, that he's free because uh, he was a very active guy and a traveler. And uh, he was he had Parkinson's. And, you know, over time, it just keeps shutting you down, shutting you down, the physical body shutting you down. And I actually felt good for him. Um in a, in a lot of ways when he passed and I feel he, his presence is the same now. Why? I don't know. I just do. Um, so how, but that's me now for other people. I know even family members, they just went blank. I gave the eulogy and, uh, it was heartfelt and I could tell some people were like, when I was looking at them, they were just like just in shock kind of. <laughs> and I don't know how people, a lot of people have it, problem processing the whole death thing they don't they just shut down they don't they're not emotional they don't know how to deal with it and then they just go on to the next thing or try to make things look nice for that day what's what's some advice in terms of how people can when somebody passes 
how how families can handle that in the best way possible in this in this time in the day and age where you know emotions are so stifled see if you can find something central to all of you tell stories about the person uh, funny mm-hmm. stories love stories happy stories uh, maybe do things even at the time of death I love the little two or three line story that I I tell uh, that the granddaughter of a woman who was in her in uh, she was like 101 102 I've forgotten exactly right now and she and and this was just a few years ago and she had loved Elvis Presley I'm sure she was an adult when he became popular but she loved his um his gospel music so mm-hmm. they played yeah, sure. gospel music as she was literally dying and the family was around her and they were holding her hands and telling her how much they loved her. And as they were playing Elvis Presley, she lifts her fingers up and starts uh, keeping time to the music. Great. Which in her own way, I'm sure, was saying thank you and I love you. I mean, she couldn't talk anymore. In fact, a few minutes later, she was gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now, you, don't, you don't think mm-hmm. that that can happen, but it but it did. So, um I think forms of celebration are absolutely wonderful, and they don't have to be traditional. Do it your own way, you know? Okay. Now, when the person's passed, now I just gave you an example, like with my dad, and I feel very close to him still. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of people think, well, he's dead or whatever. You know, they, they, don't, they don't think of, like, they're free out of the body because in the 3D kind of world we live in, we're kind of stuffed, I believe, as some people do, that we're a spirit and we're kind of stuffed into these physical bodies and the body, you know, has obsolescence and then the soul lives on. Um, it, it's, t- it's tough for people to, uh, to uh, wrap their arms around that. How, how, do, how do you, you talk about, you communicate with uh, people on the other side or? Is how do that, is I that do true? that? Yeah, how do you they, do that? They, I don't have a prescription, if that's what mm-hmm. you want, because I think everybody does it differently. Uh, I think you have to be open. Um, mm-hmm. I think you have to be aware. Um, I can tell you things that have, have – one of my favorite stories is when my, when my aunt died, um, my mother's sister, she left my brother and sister and I a little bit of money. My husband and I used some of it towards moving into a little bit larger home closer to where I was working at the time so I could get back and forth with the kids more readily. Mm-hmm. And uh, shortly after we moved in, I awakened that night. Uh, I, was, I wasn't sure I was dreaming or not, but I opened my eyes and I saw my aunt standing at the end of the bed. Wow. And I thought, oh, wow. And so I tried to wake my husband up. I poked him and poked him and poked him and said, do you see her? Do you see her? You know, I told her, I won't use mm-hmm. her name. But, and he said, no, and, you know, fell back to sleep. And in the morning, I remembered it just clearly. And I knew that she had come to say, I'm glad I could help you kids do this. But the astounding thing is she had gone to Radcliffe to college and had been in a fire because when she was there in the early 20s, I guess, uh, they had fireplaces with, you know, real fires in the dorms. And she had some kind of new comb in her hair that burst into flames, so she was badly burned. And when I knew her, she wore heavy makeup over some scars that remained from having been burned when she was in college. When I saw her at the end of the bed, she looked exactly like her pictures 
front that I had seen from before she was burned with no mm-hmm. scar whatsoever. But I knew right. without a doubt exactly who it was. Um, and, and on other instances, I've heard um, voices. I, I, I will tell you this. With one young woman who had had a near-death experience, and she went to work in a funeral parlor because it didn't bother her after that. Okay. And um, But the people who were no longer in their bodies wanted started talking to her, and they wanted her to deliver messages to their loved ones. And what I had to do with her was to teach her how to change channels. Now, by that mm-hmm. I mean the brain and maybe the heart, too, are receptors in more ways that we than we have been taught in our um, anatomy textbooks, and that's maybe the best way I can describe it to you. So that if she was bothered by these people, she had to shift her awareness away from them and move into concentrating on something specifically, almost like hanging up a telephone so that she didn't hear them anymore, and then listening to the people around her. Does that make any sense to you at all? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Should people uh, fear, be afraid of uh, death, or is it a – and if they are afraid, even if they're a good person, does that impact their crossing over experience? Um, from my understanding, it is rare that it affects the crossing over experience. Okay. I, I've only um, I've only had one person – who's described to me an instance where he had fear, but as he began asking for help, uh, the fear uh, dissipated, and he was in the light and had no fear at all. Mm -hmm. Um, You are a hospice volunteer. Um, Could you, just for the benefit of our listeners, what what is a hospice? How does it work? I mean, most people are familiar with it, but how how does a hospice uh, volunteer work? Um, what are the things that you need to be able to do to be a, a an effective hospice volunteer? Well, there are all different ways you can volunteer for hospice organizations. The hospice was started uh, in England, as I recall, before it moved to the United States. And a hospice is a service that helps to care for the terminally ill. In my experience, it also helps to care for the family of uh, those who are ill. I mean, as a volunteer, you can simply go to the hospice organization and answer telephones to help defray costs. What I did, I was what was called an 11th hour hospice volunteer, and I specifically chose that to be able to go bedside with someone who was dying and who had no family member who could get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that particular hospice organization said so that no one dies alone. So in one instance, I remember walking into the, the hospital room of uh, where I had been assigned, and the um, oxygen had fallen out of um, the, the patient's nose. Well, that can cause discomfort. Sure. And so... I didn't put it back in. That was not my place. I didn't have, you know, sanitary gloves and so forth. So I just went to the nursing center and said, you know, would you please come fix this? And they did immediately, of course. Uh, another time when I was called to someone's home, and it was actually it was a teenager, but he had 
he, he would get close to death and then rally, and this had been going on for about three years. He would get close to death, he'd rally, he'd be relatively okay. Get cl- Anyway, when I got there, uh, he had someone in the room with him, and I ended up uh, being um, a sounding board for his mother. She mm-hmm. just really needed somebody to listen, and I became that person. Okay. And, what uh, What do you, uh, uh, Lynn? What What have you experienced watching, witnessing somebody passing? What happens? Well, it depends on what stage that you're there. But uh, if you were to when they're dying, the, when they die, if you yeah. pull the sheets back, for instance, you'll see the color in their toes beginning to change. Uh, it's called mottling. Um, and as the circulation changes, sometimes you'll see it in the hands. The breathing may become labored. Uh, it may sound bad. Uh, but I will tell you that the person still may be able to hear, whether it's mm-hmm. in their body or out of their body. They'll still respond frequently to things that are said. Um, and eventually they there may be... Um, a coughing or a guttural sound, and and then nothing more. But every death is not identical. But those are some of the things that may right. happen. How can um, people, our listeners, if they wanted to be in communication with those loved ones who have passed, even if they made have passed a while ago, what's the best way to for them to do that? I tell, in other words. Example, my mom lost her sister like 25 years ago, and she had a dream. She told me way back when. She said, I dreamed your Aunt Claire came for me, and she was on the sleigh, and she was flying around on the sleigh through the snow and these beautiful hills and everything. And she stopped in front of me, and I said, Claire, where? it's you. Where, 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 where are you now? And my aunt said, everywhere. And then off she went. And... She. This is not something that my mother. She. She had the dream. She didn't reach out. But for people who do want to reach out, so I've told my mom you can reach out to you know Aunt Claire, uh, but I don't know if she does it. Uh, but I. I think that people can reach out. But you, if you want to be in co- contact, instead of just waiting for them, which they may send you signals or whatever, but you can kind of mentally reach out. How, could you kind of help me out with this? Well, yes, I, I do think you can do that, but I do not think that you can expect that they're going to show up the way that you want them to. Right. Um, they they may show up symbolically, and I'll get to that in a minute. But what you just said uh, I think works for an awful lot of people. Um, if you call the person into mind, if you send messages to that person, loving messages, and you, you can say it out loud, you can say it in your mind, you can do it however you want. Um, if you put out some um, symbolic something that was between the two of you and and show that to them and then be open to whenever they come. You mentioned your mother having a dream. It so often happens that way, and I think it's because we move into a different level of consciousness when Mm -hmm. we are sleeping. When we're thinking and concentrating very, very hard, we used to call it beta consciousness, which had to do with uh, how right. the measurements of brain activity, just the simplest way to mm-hmm. say that. And when you're sleeping, you're at a different level of consciousness where it may be, and I'm just pos- 
postulating that it may be easier to be contacted. You are more open to that because you are not concentrating on the here and now in the physical world. Right. And so sometimes if you send out the Mm -hmm. message, then during dream time you may get the response. Okay. A lot of people in today's society, uh, you know, there's a a plethora of different types of dementia that people go through, and more and more people, you know, whether it's Alzheimer's or some of the stages of Parkinson's, it seems to be all over the place, and everybody seems to have a family member or two who are going through this, and uh, my dad had Parkinson's, now my mother's got early stages of Alzheimer's, so she's kind of in and out. How how do you advise uh, families to uh, manage this type of situation? Uh, it's interesting. I, um, one of the things that happens when you're talking about Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and when people have trouble um, speaking, frequently they can sing when they can't talk. Again, hmm. that's another part of the brain. Okay. So um, if you sing with them, you may find that they sing back. Um, they may not sing what you want them to. You may want to try a um, a children's song that they knew and sing that with them. But that's a way to say, gosh, I know, Mom, you can't carry on an intellectual conversation with me, but, but let's communicate in a way that you can. Let's touch that way. And it's just another way of touching. Um, there's... You've really hit on one of the, 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 the really rough parts, and, and that's when we can no longer communicate, as you and I are doing now and as your listeners may be doing with us. So find where you can, whether it's touch or smell or music that you can share together that the other person mm-hmm. has loved. And allow that person to lead you where they can. I have a friend right now whose wife, who's also a friend, uh, really can't speak very much anymore. But um, he has found some music that she loves and some videos that she loves. And they can sit and laugh and hold hands together and in that way connect. Does it hurt that he can't carry? I mean, this is a brilliant woman and a brilliant man. They can't converse the way they did even two years ago. They can still touch in yeah, the way mm-hmm. of the other person. I find uh, with my mom, sometimes if I go way back, she won't remember if she had lunch or today, but she'll remember you know, the night I was born or something like that. So sometimes Every- going back uh, is more effective because it's easier for people uh, with Alzheimer's to go way back than it is the day-to-day stuff. That's what I've heard, at least. Is that true in your experience? Uh, Yes. In fact, what I was going to say is if she keeps going further and further back, you may no longer be you. She may call you by a a male name of someone of her childhood, but Hmm. still someone she cared about because she sees you as a man she cares about. That makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Um, you are a, a quote unquote an intuitive. Um, how can people, first of all, describe that for our, our listeners? And then um, how can people, because intuition seems to be getting a, a lot of uh, buzz nowadays. And I've had different guests who've written books on intuition. And um, I did a lot of work this summer working with my intuition, listening to it, et cetera. And it really is there. It is at our command. 
we have to trust it and work with it. But for our listeners, again, if you could talk about how you are an intuitive, maybe give a couple examples, and then how people can develop their intuitive skills, because everybody has them. Uh, we have lots of skills that we haven't developed. Well, 20 years ago, I wrote a book called Coming Out of Your Psychic Closet, How to Unlock Your Naturally Intuitive Self. Um, <laughs> and so there are a lot of very specifics in that. Um, first of all, I think you have to trust it. Um, you have to trust knowing without knowing how you know. Um, when you get a, a bright, you know, in comic strips, how you see the comic strip drawers, they put like a light bulb over somebody's head. Sure. They ha- they have an insight. Grab the insight and um, explore it, and that's one way to to trust your intuition. Okay. I do think that some people, uh, for whatever reason, are more intuitive than others. I think it has to do uh, not only with our affinity for the space beyond our phys- physicality, but it also has to do with um, our brain development, just as some of us are more natural athletes mm-hmm. and sure. have more physical prowess. I think the same is true with intuition. I can't prove that. It's just a hunch. Okay. Um, what else should we know about our listeners? Should they know about the book? The book is called uh, Loving to the End and On, A Guide to the Impossibly Possible. There are a lot of things to know about the book. Um, first, well, before we talk about the loving concept in the middle of the book, let me say that I specifically put some things at the end of the book for instance, there are a number of movies that you can watch. Yes, yes, that I have saw them. Do, fantastic. Yeah, with different aspects of this. For people who prefer to do that, then get weighed down in a book. There are also books that are that are recommended, divided into categories, depending on what kind of audience for this information you are. Um, there are also a bunch of websites with uh, uh, different opportunities. Um, so there, there are a lot of things at the end of the book. Some of them quick and easy to do. Some of them would take more time. Um, okay. What what I want for people is that they open their minds and their hearts to the whole idea of um, being with the people you love as fully as you can. And that includes... Um, being open to ways that they communicate with you, whether they're here or they're not here. I just wrote a little article, for instance, um, that is is going to be published before long, about a bird that showed up at my house. And I'm convinced that this bird is actually a friend of mine coming back to tease me about all of this. And this friend is a Ph.D. He can translate Greek. Uh, he's also a, a, a minister. Um, he's a college professor. We were lifelong friends, and we used to talk about these sorts of things. And this bird showed up at my house, stayed around for a couple of weeks, appeared in seven, at the windows of seven different rooms in my house on two different levels of the house, um, and always made sure that he was recognized before he kept, quit pecking at the windows. 
And wow. oh, <laughs> oh yeah. And it's not a bird of a, a bird that I could find in a bird book or any kind of bird I've ever seen around here before. After he died, I learned that he had been part of a program that counted birds and the kind of birds that he saw in his backyard. He was part of some bird study group for a major university for a number of years. I didn't even know that until after he died. That's one thing I hadn't known about him. And so that's why I think this, I mean, this is non-traditional, regular bird behavior. So, you know, my hunch is that was my friend coming back to tease me and get me to laugh with him. Um, Now, do you think that, do you think that he, 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 he actually reincarnated as a bird or just came back? He just, he communicates with you through that bird. I don't know the answer to that. And so I'm open to either possibility. Um, I doubt that he came back as a bird so much as used the body of the bird. Right. Um, mm-hmm. In some way to do that. But okay. I can't prove it either way. Got it. Okay. Well, this is fascinating stuff, and um, I think everybody's going to really enjoy this book, as I did. Could you tell us, uh, Lynn, where people can learn more about you, where they can pick up the book, your website, all that kind of stuff? Well, the website is www.lynnbrobinson.com, so you can learn about me there. You can get the book um, online at Barnes & Noble, at Amazon. Uh, I saw recently where Walmart had picked it up online. Um, I don't know if it's any stores or not. You know, the bookstores are mm-hmm. very careful these right. days. They don't carry a lot of inventory. Um, but definitely Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and as I say, I saw that Walmart had picked it up. So um, they can get Loving to the End and on a guide to the impossibly possible at any of those places. And I do not have a large um, social media presence. That's not my style. It may be because I'm older than you are. It may be because I have had such a public life that I'm enjoying a little privacy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Okay. Well, listen, it's been an absolute honor and pleasure to have you on Guys Guys Radio. And uh, I think your message is a real good one. Let's find more love in everything we do and be more present in the moments we have with those who we love. I think if we started there we go we're halfway home so uh i really appreciate you being my guest on guys guys radio lynn and uh congratulations on this book and all the best of luck with it well thank you you so much and thank you for being willing to talk about this topic absolutely i I, as i said i want to offer uh information for our listeners so they can either accept it or say well i learned something here or whatever i just i think putting it out there is what else can we do besides offer things up? You can't, you know, it's like lead the horse to water type of thing. So thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. All right. Okay. All right, folks. That's our special guest for this evening, Lynn B. Robinson, Ph.D. Again, her book is Loving to the End and On. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back, and we'll wrap it up. The Guys Guy Radio. All right, we're back. Just a quickie. Uh, I usually do a guy's guy's guide based on one of my blogs. Um, If you want to catch what I've been writing about, I did a two-parter about the differences between living in New York and San Diego because I've been out there a number of times. I have some family out there, and 
I want to do a comparison between the coasts, but I didn't want to do the New York LA comparison because it's been done a million times. And there's so many New Yorkers in LA now that a lot of that anxiety and everything else from New York has gone out there. So they're not that different. They're different, but not quite as different as you go to New York, San Diego, and all the cities and towns above it, Encinitas and Del Mar and Carlsbad and La Jolla and all of those places. It's much more of the prototypical Southern California surfy type experience and uh, really fascinating. And uh, so I wrote I started writing about it and I'm like, wow, this is going to have to be a two parter. And uh, I didn't pick a winner. But um, I just tried to show the differences. And I was, it was interesting because I noticed when I was, we were out there over the summer, it was like, wow, it's expensive out here. More than I thought in terms of real estate and stuff. Um, I just saw an article that actually had San Diego ranked higher in real estate value than New York, which is amazing. But I don't know if that includes all the areas around San Diego or, or if it's just Manhattan or all the areas around New York, the five boroughs and or the tri-state area, whatever. So you don't know how they dice that up. But let me tell you, you're paying for the weather out there. It's, it ain't cheap, but it's beautiful. So, but New York has a lot going for it too. I've been here for so long that um, I've done everything here that I wanted to do. So I don't know how long I'm going to stay in the city, but we'll see. We'll see. Keeping an open mind and exploring over the next couple of months and making the decision where we're going to take this Guys Guys Roadshow. So anyhow, that's our show for this evening. I'm back on Wednesday. We're doing two shows between now and the end of the year at a bare minimum. Uh, Wednesday nights at 7, unless otherwise noted. And Sunday nights at 8, like this evening, unless otherwise noted. And it's Guys Guys Radio. Again, you can catch me on all over social media. Um, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, my website www.robertmanny.com and uh, a lot of my blogs are syndicated as I mentioned I think last week I just got picked up by another website Cupid's Pulse which is kind of a lifestyle kind of like an Us magazine type of thing they asked me to do a column called Ask the Guys Guy so if you go on their website you can actually throw in some questions and we take one question a month that I delve into try to help out so anyhow that's our show for this evening this is Robert Manny your Guys Guy thank you so much for listening And we'll see you hopefully on Wednesday. And as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. (laughs) 